All right, let's um, take our Bibles and we'll turn to our passage that we used last week, Luke chapter number 8. And we're just going to look at two verses here, um, the two verses that are really the key to what we're talking about. We're looking at the keys to getting the most out of what a Bible teacher or Bible preacher says. And we saw last week in our text that Jesus told His famous parable of the sower, and he, then He gave an explanation of that parable to His disciples, and afterward they asked Him for further explanation. We said the bottom line is these two verses, verse 8 and verse 18. Verse number 8, uh, at the very last part of the verse there, the, the, the second uh, uh, sentence, so it says, And when He had said these things, He cried, He that hath ears to hear... Let him hear. And then verse 18, Jesus said, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. And so we, we saw last week that we must listen with a prepared heart uh, that is ready to hear from the Lord. I'm not going to re-preach that message. Um, uh, it's, uh, uh, that is so important. We spent most of the time, you could say that's the first point of the sermon, and I had the subpoints there, and then we're going to look at the rest of it tonight of what we're going to be taking a look at. Uh, I called the first, first part uh, uh, last week of how, uh, preparing to listen, and this week we're talking about reacting to what we hear, reacting to what we hear. So let's begin. Uh, number one, that you've got a handout there, and I think that'll be helpful for you. We're going to be turning to a few passages of Scripture tonight. Trust that you'll take time to turn with us. The first thing we see here is we must give diligent heed to the things that are spoken from the Word of God. I mean, that's what those two verses mean that we just read in verse 8 and 18. When the Word of God commands us to hear or hearken, it's talking about more than just hearing with the hearing of the ear. It is speaking of hearing with obedience from the heart. Hearing and obeying. That is when someone has truly heard. That's the way we, that's kind of the standard we held our children to, didn't we? Did you hear what I said? And what we were looking for was we were looking for obedience. They maybe had heard, but they didn't really hear. And we were wanting them to hear. Uh, and the way that we're talking about tonight. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight, He said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Hear the word of God and keep it. Now let's turn to a couple of other passages and see some things. Look at Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews 2, and then we'll flip over to James chapter number 1. These are familiar uh, to you, but just a reminder, you know, most of the preaching that you get from the Word of God is just a reminder because we're so prone to forget. We forget things and we just need to be reminded of the things that we know. And we see in verse number 1, Hebrews 2, verse number 1, um, the writer says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed, notice this, the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. 
Um, that word, slip, let them slip, is talking about to let them flow by carelessly. Let them just drift by. Kind of like in one ear and out the other. You know, that's the way a lot of folks listen. In one ear and out the other. Don't let it drift. It says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect? You ought to circle that word neglect. It's talking about being to be careless of. You know, don't, be, don't be careless of the Word of God. He's talking about uh, if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by, unto us by them that heard Him. Talking about the apostles. And so verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, according to His own will. So we must give diligent heed to the things that we hear spoken from the Word of God. James chapter number 1, of course, we're very familiar with this, and because we learned it, as, I, I learned it as a child. <laughs> you know, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. James 1 verse 22, but let's back up to verse number 21 to begin here. It says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. I mean, that goes to attitude that we talked about last week. Amen. We talked about having the right attitude. Well, uh, verse 22, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He's talking about that, that being a hearer like, your children were here sometime. You know, don't be don't be like that. Be like you wanted them to be. You know, be a hearer and a doer. So for if any be, be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, looking into a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgiveth what manner of man he was. But look at this. But whoso looketh to the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So we must give diligent heed to the things that are spoken from the Word of God. Second thing, we must not entertain even the least prejudice against the minister of God that would cause us to shut out the truth of the Word of God. Now I'm talking about, you know, you've got to... Maybe you have a problem with somebody, but they're up there and they're they're sharing with you truth from God's word. Well, don't don't have it because you got an attitude with them. Don't have an attitude toward God's word. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying here. Look at Mark chapter number six. <clears throat> Mark chapter number six. <clears throat> Mark chapter number six, and um, this is Jesus in his hometown here. And we see in Mark 6, verse number 1, says, And he, he came out from thence, and, and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Notice this. And many hearing him were astonished. I mean, we hear, they were, why were they astonished? Because he was teaching the Word of God. And they were astonished that he had such knowledge of the Word of God. And notice what it says, it's saying, From whence hath this man these things? And, and what wisdom is this which, which is given unto him? Even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. 
And here's the prejudice they had against him. Verse 3. It's not this little Jesus, the, car- the carpenter's son. Isn't that who he is? <laughs> That's who they thought he was. It's not this the, the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? Notice the next phrase. And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Think about that. Matthew's Gospel, verse Chapter 13, verse 58 says, And he did not mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, the reason Jesus Christ himself could not do very many mighty works nor preach to any great effect among his own country was because they were offended at him. That's what it says there at the end of verse 3. They were offended at him. They, they, form, they formed early opinions about him and, and that caused them to become prejudiced against him because they thought they knew him when they really didn't. They thought they knew him when they really didn't. Sadly, there have been many times in the years of my preaching and teaching the Word of God that people have developed an attitude toward me. <laughs> against me personally for some reason or another and they shut off listening to the truth of the Word of God because of those prejudices that they have formed against me it happens way too much so listen you know we need to take heed and beware of entertaining any dislike against those whom the holy ghost has placed over us or sent our way to deliver his message if they're in fact faithfully preaching the word now if they're not preaching the word that's entirely different story you know we're talking about somebody that's preaching and what they're preaching is the truth of god's word don't have it. If you've got an attitude against the person, don't get an attitude against the Word. <laughs> I want us to consider the fact that all preachers, including myself, are men. Yeah, we're, we're flesh. Men of like passions. That's what James said of Elijah. He, he was a man of like passions such as we are. <laughs> I'm... And uh, all preachers are men of like passions as, as each of uh, the rest of us. Consider some biblical examples. Uh, not only the prophet Elijah. We, we know prophet Elijah, right? We, uh, we just studied him not too long ago when we were going through uh, the books of the kings. And we saw that, uh, man, he, there was a, came a time in his life when he got depressed. Uh, he got scared. Uh, he went running. Uh, he was ready for God to kill him. He thought God was done with him. God wasn't done with him yet. He needed him to train Elisha. And so uh, the Lord was patient with him, fed him, you know, realized what his problems were, and just encouraged him to get back on the you know, get back in the saddle again. And and he did. And he was able to uh, transfer uh, a, a, the what he the, the ministry that he had to the prophet Elisha. Uh, think about the prophet Jonah. I mean, when Jonah comes to mind, you know, we could develop an attitude, couldn't we? We could. I mean, uh, Jonah was reluctant 
to do what the Lord called him to do. In fact, he was disobedient at first, but he did not do what the Lord initially told him to do. And then after he did what the Lord told him to do, and Nineveh repented, uh, he pouted. Now, that's not a great uh, testimony. But he was a prophet. And uh, the Lord used him. And uh, they, Nineveh turned, repented of their sin, at the preaching of Jonah. And uh, they better not... Uh, we'll, I'll talk about it here in just a minute uh, about what would happen if they had uh, had an attitude against him. But let's, let's talk about some other prophets first. The Apostle Peter. Um, be real uh, easy for the rest of the apostles to get an attitude against Peter, right? What, what, who does he think he is preaching on the day of Pentecost with after what he did to the Savior? Who does he think he is anyway? You know, can, you, can you imagine the, the talk that might have went on? Now, it may not have. But if it was in our day and time, it would have. <laughs> I don't imagine those folks back there were, were any, uh, any different than we are. Uh, we know the Apostle Peter, he, uh, he was uh, headstrong. He uh, had a tendency to shoot off his mouth too quickly. And um, he didn't always get it right. But God used him in a great way. <laughs> when he was preaching the truth, it was truth that needed to be received. Amen? That's what it needed to be done. Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul knew he had his own issues. He knew he had his problems. And he, he, never, he never lifted up himself. I, he elevated the office that he held. But you know, as far as personally, he knew that he, as he looked at himself, he said, you know, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the least of all the apostles. He considered himself that. He says, I'm not meet to be called an apostle. Not, not, not worthy. But nevertheless, he was. And what I'm saying is, consider that all preachers are just men of like passions as each of the rest of us. And listen to me, even though we might hear a person teaching others to do what maybe he has not fully learned himself or is struggling uh, to do in himself, that is no reason for rejecting what is the truth from God's Word, is it? Yeah, if he brings forth the word of God and says, "Boy, we we need to be doing this," I can purposely tell you that the Lord convicts me from the word as I prepare the messages that He would have me to bring to you. I mean, uh, He just does. We should understand that a minister who is speaking the truth of what the Word of God says is not speaking in his own name, but in Christ's name. Now let's get back to Jonah for just a minute. How foolish would Nineveh have been to reject God's message from the prophet Jonah? Think about it. They had 40 days. God said, go in there preaching, yet 40 days I'm going to be judging them if they don't repent. <laughs> and that's what Jonah went and preached when he finally got around to going and doing that. Now he may have been a poor example. In fact, when he walked up, he had the poor example all over him. He had been in the belly of a whale. He had been belched out. He had no doubt been bleached from the gastric juices of the whale. Probably smelled horrible. And uh, 
I imagine there might have been somebody that figured out what had happened to him. Uh, but I, I think what the deal was is they said, you know, if God did that to him and he's a man of God, what's he going to do to us? Uh, so they received this message in spite of his shortcomings because it was the truth. Jonah was preaching the truth. Now, remember that Jesus commanded the, the people to do whatever the scribes and Pharisees should say to them according to the law. Look at Matthew 23 for just a minute. Matthew 23. Not too far back over there. Matthew 23, the first three verses here. Notice what the Savior says here. Matthew 23, verse number 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to His disciples, saying, Notice, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, is there anybody that would argue that they would have needed to listen to Moses? Hmm. Verse 3, All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not, do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. Okay? Don't follow the bad in them, but hey, look, when they're sharing with you the law, you need to be listening to them. That's basically what Jesus was saying. If they're sharing with you the Word of God, you need to listen to what they're saying, but don't do, don't, don't do the same things that they do because they just they say and they don't do. So for the truth of the Word of God to be effective in our lives, we must receive it as the truth that it is, no matter who is doing the teaching or preaching. It's not, it's not the person, it's the message. Okay, it's, it's what, what thus saith the Lord. What does the Word of God say? Third thing, we must be careful not to depend too much on a teacher or preacher or to think more highly of him than we ought to think. Now, y'all know that I have uh, kind of beat that drum the whole 14 years I've been here. Don't lift me high on a pedestal. You know, the pedestal needs to be the Lord's. He's the one we lift high. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And the Apostle Paul basically brings us out to the Corinthian church here and uh, several different places. We're going to look at uh, some verses from chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. So you'll want to turn there. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 12. And uh, uh, I love the way the Apostle Paul, um, uh, he kind of builds them up a little bit and then he, uh, he kind of snaps them off a little bit here. Because they didn't realize who they were. They were the church of God. They were sanctified in Christ Jesus. They were called to be saints. All that you'll find in verse number 2. But they had some issues. And some of their issues had to do with, with people. And, uh, and even God's people. Look at verse number 12. It says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. This was, you, you can just about hear the church was divided four different ways, and you probably had them sectioned off in the church. You know, the, uh, the Paul crowd up here, and the, you know, the Apollos crowd back there. And just the four sections of uh, folks that, we, my favorite is the Apollos. And Paul's saying, is Christ divided? Verse 13. Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? What was he getting at? You need to lift up the name of Jesus because that's who we're here for. Uh, look at chapter number 2. 
chapter number 2, and he hits it again in verse number 3. <clears throat> he, he talks about himself. And this is why I was saying a while ago that uh, the, the Apostle Paul really didn't build himself up. Um, let's back up to verse number 2. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and I was with you, notice this, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, I don't know how you visualize the Apostle Paul, but that's not the man that I see when I read in the Scriptures. Yeah, but that's how he described himself. Look at verse number 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of, of the Spirit and of power. Notice, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. That's the way, that's the way it should be. It's not about us. It's not about personality. It's not about... Uh, um, how popular you are, it's about bringing the Word. <laughs> How's the Word that's coming from your mouth? Look at uh, chapter 3, verse number 3. And he's, he's getting on them here because they're, they're acting uh, carnal. And uh, let's, let's begin with verse number 3 there. He says, for ye, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And he talks about the divisions and the ending and strife here. Look at verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So he's bringing that up again. <laughs> he just talked about it in, 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 in chapter 1. But he's trying to get them to see. It's kind of like uh, he, he's not expecting them to get it the first time, so he's hammering it again. Verse 5, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own labor, his own reward, excuse me, according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth their own. But let every man take heed how he buildeth their own. I mean, the Apostle Paul talks about here the preferring one teacher or preacher over another um, was causing problems. And can I tell you that it's often caused problems for the churches, for the church of God? And that is why the Apostle Paul condemned it in the Corinthian church. Listen, all true ministers of the truth have been sent forth by God to be ministering amb ambassadors of God's truth. That's what I am. Amen. Yeah? And... That's what we are. So we should not, should they not all therefore be greatly esteemed for the Lord's sake if they're sharing the truth of God's word. I'm not talking about somebody that's uh, you know, not preaching what they're supposed to preach or somebody that's uh, preaching false doctrine. We're talking about somebody who preaches the word. Fourth thing here. 
So we must make particular application to our hearts of every truth that is delivered to us. So while we have a, an invitation, you know, it's really supposed to be a time of contemplating what you've just been told. And Lord, what would you have me to do with this? And Lord, is there something that you want me to do about it? That's what an invitation should be. Um, when our Savior was discoursing with the, uh, His beloved disciples at the Last Supper, and, and He foretold that one of them would betray Him. You remember in Matthew's Gospel 26 and verse 22 that in, how they immediately began to apply it to their own heart. It says that they all were asking, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Am I the one? They took Jesus' word and they wanted to apply it to their heart. They wanted to, be, they wanted to make sure it wasn't them. Oh, that we would do the same as the disciples did there. Whether the preacher is preaching against some sin or persuading us to become involved in any duty for God, we should use the word to examine self. And instead of thinking in our hearts, boy, I, I sure hope so-and-so got that today. They sure didn't need that. We should instead turn our thoughts inwardly and first say, Lord, is it me? Am I the one that needs this? How, for, how far more beneficial uh, would we find sermons to be uh, to us than they generally are now if we would take that attitude. Here's the last thing. We should pray to the Lord before and after every sermon. I told you last week we were going to bring prayer back into it, okay? And here's where prayer comes in. We should pray before the message for God to endue the minister with power to speak the truth boldly. That's right. No doubt it, this was the consideration that was made by the Apostle Paul as he earnestly entreated the believers at the church at Ephesus to intercede with God on his behalf. Look at Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. And verse number 19 and 20 there. Ephesians 6, verse 19 and 20. He's telling them to pray. I mean, he's talking about prayer in verse number 18. In fact, we'll begin with verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit and watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Talking about a wide range of prayer here. But he includes prayer for him as a minister of God. Verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may... Open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that I therein that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He, he wanted the Ephesus Christians to pray for him. Now listen, if someone like the Apostle Paul needed the prayers of God's people, how much more do ministers who are less gifted need the prayers of God's people? Um, let me just say this. If you haven't prayed, don't complain. Yeah, got no right to complain if you've not prayed for the man of God to bring the word. Uh, so we should pray before the message for God to endue man of God with power and speak the truth boldly. 
secondly, we should pray for God to open our heart and grant us a will and ability to receive the word. That comes to that preparation thing we talked last week. Amen? And I told you we, there was going to be more that we talked about than, than uh, just the preparation. But the preparation is important. Not only pray for the man of God, but pray for your heart to open, to receive. God, what would you have me to, 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 to take from what the preacher is going to be giving us today? Illuminate my heart. Help me to see the truth. Help me to be willing to, to bend my heart to the truth. And then uh, the last thing there, after the, after the message is given, we should pray for God to help us put into practice what He shows us from the Word of God to be our duty. Yeah? It gets back to the invitation. Amen? Okay, Lord, we've, we've heard the Word. We've heard Your truth. How do You want me to apply it in my life? How, how should I apply it? Now listen, if only those of us who are here tonight would seriously apply our hearts to practice these principles, I want you to think what it could mean and what it would mean personally to this church and to those that we influence. Think it would mean anything? Yeah, I think it would. So let's uh, take heed how we hear. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for the truth of Your Word. And Lord, we, we thank you for, uh, Lord, the, the uh, direction that you give and, uh, Lord, the, the way that you open up truth to us in the Word of God is such a blessing. And, uh, Lord, it's a blessing when we put it into action. If we don't put it into action, it just becomes um, meaningless to us. And sadly, there are too many that are sitting up under the preaching and teaching of God's Word that are not putting it into action and so thereby it's meaningless in their lives. God, help us to, to, to not do that. Help us to look for the application that you want for us personally. Not look for what uh, somebody else needs out of it. I mean, that's all well and good if we can help somebody else with the Word of God, but help us primarily to look at what, what does God want me to get out of this. And Lord, tonight, uh, as we think about the principles that we've laid out, help us to think about this sermon. What is it that we should take away from this personally? Help us, Lord, in this invitation time to allow you to to prompt our hearts uh, how you would have us to be. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.